Hello and welcome in to another episode of Podcast 63 here with Buck and Lou. Uh, it is Season 3, Episode 7. Uh, we finally have some legitimate games under our belt. We've got two games to talk about this week, uh, recaps of Chicago State and UIC. And then we have two more super exciting games to talk about that are coming up. Uh, fingers crossed that they're able to be played uh, this week in Wisconsin and Richmond. Um, and on top of that, we got some charity stuff to talk about. Uh, I want to congratulate everyone who donated and made a difference. Uh, we have some other conference news to talk about. And one of our former Ramblers got married. And we're going to talk about it, just like TMZ does. So, Lou, what out of all that are you most excited to talk about this week? I think the marriage of schedules coming together is just a beautiful sight. So that's I like what we're going to talk about. I like the wordplay there. All right, so uh, tune in, and don't forget, go Blairs. He and we are back. So the first thing we want to talk about, want to keep it light here to begin with, uh, we want to send our congratulations to former Final Four Loyola Rambler, Marcus Towns. Um, he posted on Instagram today that he got married to his wife. Um, and I don't know if people follow him on Instagram, but the ceremony looked really beautiful. Um, you know, we wish our, our congratulations and, um, you know, all good thoughts to to him and his new wife. Uh, Lou, what did you think? <laughs> yeah, I think it was great to see a player having a good times on and off the court. And it looks like this man made a great decision to get married and a beautiful, beautiful ceremony. It looked like it's probably still in Spain, which is awesome to see. Um, so, yeah, just really happy for him. I think everyone is. I think we all saw over social media former players and current players kind of that played with him saying congrats. It was really cool to see. Yeah, I think uh, Marcus Towns found his and one, if you if you will. Oh, um, thank you. Listeners are not going to really like so much of these play on words we're having tonight, but we're going to. Yeah, have a little. We can't we can't dissect a marriage like we uh, dissect a basketball game. So we got to have a little fun with it. True. true. Uh, um, so then the next thing I want to talk about is uh, the donation to Chicago Public Library Foundation with the help of Jonah, aka Bishop Blairs. Um, it went through. I send it. I sent out the donation. Uh, we did end up donating $150, which is super cool. Um, originally, I had posted in the tweet what that all, uh, what those day donations will go to. I can't remember off the top of my head, but I think there was like a some sort of online uh, class, and then some like summer summer schooling for kids um, are going to be. That's what our donations go towards. So uh, really cool uh, that we were able to put that together. And I got a really nice email, which I just kind of wanted to read off um, from the president of the Chicago Public Library Foundation. Um, and she says, uh, in these uncertain times, it's heartwarming to know that you stand with everyone who relies on the Chicago Public Library's spaces, services, and programming to learn, grow, play, and connect. Now that branches are open again, these services are proving to be more essential than ever before. I thank you for being an important part of ensuring we can continue to provide the resources everyone needs to get back on their feet. Uh, sincerely, Brenda uh, Brenda Lingstreet. Um, so yeah, it was just nice. I just wanted to kind of wrap a, a pretty bow on that. Um, Close the book on it. 
Exactly, yeah. Um, and it was just really nice to see everyone come together uh, in the Loyola community to, uh, to raise money for both Jonah and then also uh, a great cause in the Chicago Public Library. Um, I have been in, in contact with a couple of the people who donated and then also Jonah that I think we want to make this an annual thing. Um, I think it could be fun to do something every year where we pick maybe the first game of the season and then everyone has like a prop bet of some sort or people just donate money um, to maybe the same cause or a different cause or, you know, some former, uh, like a student who needs money for something. Um, there's also some uh, chatter about maybe starting like a, a fund to help students get down to Arch, uh, to Arch Madness, um, which is always a big deal. So lots of other things kind of in the works about that, but uh, we're going to remember to come back to it next year and hopefully we can make this an annual thing i think that would be a lot of fun agreed no i think it's awesome yeah um so thank you to everyone who donated um another thing uh kind of getting towards basketball now um there was some major uh valley news this past week uh northern iowa uh, put out a statement saying that aj green was going to undergo surgery and uh, he is out for the foreseeable future. I think it's a really big deal. Um, Lou, I'll, I'll have you talk about that here in a second. Um, but then the next thing, in addition to that, they also said in their statement that they were going to be foregoing um, their remaining non-conference uh, schedule in which they had games against Wisconsin, which is, uh, remember, that we're foreshadowing. Um, so Wisconsin and then I think maybe two others or three others. Um, I think there was a couple. I think they had a game against Marshall, which is a pretty good mid-major uh, team. So they were foregoing all that because, not necessarily COVID, but they did not have um, a deep enough roster at, at this moment. They had, uh, I think they had seven scholarship players healthy, but I think um, uh, Fife I saw, had like a, a, an ankle injury that he was dealing with too. So they were just super banged up and... Um, uh, unfortunately, they're, they're not going to be playing until until conference now. So, um, but Lou, how do you think that AJ Green injury affects affects the conference as a whole, and maybe just Northern Iowa as a team? Yeah. Now, yeah, I think just it's uh, again sad to see. As Sister Jean always says in her prayer before games, you never want to see anyone get hurt. Everyone clean game. Uh, AJ Green is one of the best in the valley. Um, again, I think he always makes um, our team better because he plays to his top, but he's going to be out, and that's the former, or that's the last year's Larry Bird Player of the Year out, and that kind of opens the door for players like Cam, uh, players like maybe Tate or some other guys from across the conference. Um, but I really do think it kind of hinders you and I. Like, it's just, it's one of those things where it just, it, yeah, it's, it's going to hinder you and I no matter what. It's their best player that they've had, in my opinion, quite some time. So, I think it's really going to hinder them, their process, what's their outcome for the rest of the season. And I think also canceling the season – or, sorry, non-conference just really really shows you that it's tough on them. They're going through some things, trying to figure out what's going on for the best of the team. And that's just what's going on. So I think we'll, uh, we'll really get more moving forward uh, about how they kind of get back into conference play. But I think it's going to be a tough, uh, tough battle. Yeah, what do you think that means? Um, you know, he was projected to be the Larry Bird Player of the Year this year. So, what do you think that means for 
of the conference who uh, maybe someone from our team might fill that that spot. Yeah, no, I think uh, it'd be it'd be stupid of me not to say our boy has the has the top chance because he does. I think Cameron Crutwig will probably easily fill that slot for most likely to take home the Larry Bird Trophy of the Year. And I think that's just what we do. We've, we've already had two in the last, uh, what, three years um, of MVC mm-hmm. play. So I just think it's, um, it's we could, one could say it's almost a tradition here at Loyola. But um, it's just really interesting to see the play of what's coming out um, at Loyola. And I easily think uh, our boy Cameron Crowley's got a high, high hopes and high chance of bringing on that Larry Bird Trophy of the Year. Yeah, it definitely uh, puts the award in some flux. Like, uh, I mean, the other favorite would have to be Elijah Childs from Bradley. Yep. Uh, they're playing real well, and he, he is playing really well. So, um, but after that, I mean, I think there's a lot of, um, uh, like, ambiguity. Like, we don't really know, you know, it, it could be something where one player steps up during conference season uh, from, you know, maybe Drake or Southern Illinois. You know, Marcus Domask is always, he's been really good last year and good this year. So, uh, definitely just a little bit of uh, flux then at, at the at the top of the list for uh, Larry Bird Player of the Year. But uh, we definitely hope he recovers fully. Um, I, I'm pretty sure he's going to get a medical redshirt if he sits out the rest of the year. He's only played in three or maybe four games. Um, and then there's that whole thing going on with NCAA about um, giving all the winter sport athletes an extra year of eligibility. So uh, undoubtedly he'll he'll be able to play. Um, make up this season if he if he chooses to do that uh, next year and the following years. So I uh, hope, hope he fully recovers and we see him back on the court next year. No, agreed, 100%. Yeah. Um, and then just around the conference, um, I know Drake is still undefeated, so that uh, that's good to see. Uh, they beat Air Force this weekend, I think, which was uh, a pretty good win, I guess. I mean, it's a, it's not they're not their best mid major, so a team they were definitely supposed to beat. Um, otherwise, I think Indiana State got started up this week. Um, I think they end up playing two games uh, this past week. So the only team who has not started up is Missouri State, and I believe they're, they're uh, they have a game for either Tuesday or Wednesday. Um, so they they should start up this week as well. Um, but yeah, I mean, conference as a whole, uh, definitely lacking some impressive wins at the start of the season. Usually we see, you know, a couple upsets, you know, last year we saw Evansville beat Kentucky and, uh, you and I, I think beat Colorado on the road. And the, the only one so far this year was, um, Drake beating Kansas state, but then, yep. Kansas State went on to lose to a D2 school, or D3 school, I think. I don't even think it was D2. Oh, so, wow. I thought it was D2, but yeah, I can, yeah, they've, uh, yeah, that that's really scary. Wow. So Kansas State is uh, not good at all so far. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, we will have two opportunities to do, uh, to give our conference probably the best win of the year so far. Um, but first, before we talk about that, I think we need to talk about uh, the two games we played this week. Um, so, Lou, do you want to do you want to get us started and talk about Chicago State and what you saw? Any any takeaways or just fun plays that you saw? Anything like that? Yeah, um, if we're yeah, let's get right into it. Chicago State. I think people really would love to talk about what the heck happened in that first half. Um, I think that's just uh, pretty clear of kind of a little sluggish basketball. Um, 
And I think I said to you, do we think it's kind of a little honeymoon uh, playing against Lewis? And it was, is it that mentality of like, oh, we kind of had an easy game. We can make it easy on Chicago State because everyone's had a pretty easy game against Chicago State. Um, it was not as uh, smooth, I guess is the right word to say. I think it was a little, uh, little bit of a shitty playing going on. But mm-hmm. I think it just ultimately then the second half. I, I really hope, and I think we were joking, to be a fly on the wall there in that locker room would have been great. Because um, people just seem like they're a little sluggish, but that second half just really they they put the put the gas down and they just went with it. The lead broke out. I think they finally covered, which was great. We joked that it would be great to see, but um, mm-hmm. it was exciting. And again, hey, in my opinion, it was our first win against a D1 school this year so far. Um, so that's an exciting thing. Well done to the team. So it was really, I think, really, really an exciting uh, exciting play to really kind of get that win under the belt. Yeah, I, I remember you called me at halftime, and you were basically like, what what the heck is going on? And, I mean, don't get me wrong. I was frustrated, and I was, you know, I, I wasn't feeling great about what was going on so far in the first half, because they only were up by, like, what, eight, I think, going into halftime? Yeah, 39 to 31, uh, yeah. Yeah, and I, I told you, and I was like, look, I'm this isn't good, but I still think they're going to win by 25. Like, I, I they're just like, they had a lot of open threes that they, they were missing, um, Chicago State was hitting a good amount of like step back long jump shots, which are one of the most inefficient or inefficient shots in all of basketball. Um, and you know, I, should they have done better in the first half? Of course, like it wasn't it wasn't good, but I think they made up for it in the second half. Um, you know, even even when some of the the bench guys came in, um, they were all looking good. I mean, to put up you know, nearly 50 and hold Chicago state to 20 points in the second half is really good. Um, you know, I, I, I think we got to start off by talking about Krutwig and what he did, uh, throughout the whole game is exactly what we expected him to do. Um, in that first half, he kept us in it and he kept us, he kept the lead for us. I think either at 16 or 18 in the first half, um, 16 points, I think. Um, but he finished with 18. Okay. He finished with 22, uh, points and, and nine rebounds, just short of that double double. Um, and then he did have uh, he did have two assists and two blocks as well, uh, and only two turnovers. Tur- two turnovers. So he played a great game in 24 minutes. I mean, almost a point a minute. So he played extremely well. Um, I thought that a couple of the other guys did struggle to get in rhythm. Um, I thought Braden uh, took a little bit of time to, to get in rhythm. He did have three turnovers. Um, I thought that, you know, Lucas was his normal self for a little bit, but wasn't really looking for his shot. Um, I really like to see, uh, here's energy. I think he's playing with a lot more energy this year. And, uh, Tate was his normal self as well. He scored 15 points and I think he really had a, a, a different energy coming out of the second half. And that's when he really started to look for his own shot. Um, Lou, any of the bench guys or, or any of the starters too, but. Uh, that that impressed you um impressed mm, i i think uh it just I, I love every single guy it was as happy to finally see i have to say the the biggest impressive stats um were to see uh uh kennedy marquise my boy mm-hmm. our boy get six assists um off the bench i really do think that was great um granted he did play um more minutes than two starters so it was interesting to see how he got fit into the role there um 
But really, that that would be a bench player. I think that was a highlight for me. Uh, that was really, really cool to see him really facilitate the ball kind of like that. And then also, he got five rebounds. So stuff like that, just like, I think it's a simple thing that we'll, we'll talk more about his game at UIC. I think about me being a little bit more electric, I think, personally. But this game really showed me that he could come in and might not be the flashy score, but he helped facilitate the ball and get it around for everyone else, which I think it was just that sluggish freaking it was just, it felt sluggish. It felt a little sloppy um, in the first half. So I do think bench guys like Marquise Kennedy, even Baylor had one in there. Uh, Baylor had three for four from the free throw line. I think we'd like to see that. But um, two for seven from field goals, that was a little, uh, what's going on? But um, I think it was just three points shooting in the first half, and then we finally woke up. And I, I'm giving credit to the coaching staff or whoever, maybe the leadership of Cam and Lucas, but really the guys woke up more in the second half, which was really exciting to see. Um, I just, again, I think I'm trying to understand the rotation like everyone else here. We're trying to really figure out who comes in, who's coming out, out. Um, like again, for me, a question mark is what's Cooper's role, but again, Cooper's coming off injury. So we don't want to really rush him. Keith maybe might not fully, but he played 20 minutes. So it's exciting to see these bench guys really fill in a role and slot. And then again, with guys like Kennedy getting those six assists just really shows you that the ball can move. So I think it was kind of equal game again. Cam and Tate did what they needed to do. I think personally, in this, uh, well, Cam in the first half with 18 points, keeping us alive, like you said, I think that's so true. Um, the only thing I want to say is could someone just leave Cam alone to get one more rebound? Just get him one <laughs> more rebound. Um, again, I know it's a selfish thing. Cam is probably going to say it's a team sport and it's great. But I swear, if we look back at Cameron Crutwick, he's had so many nine rebound games and double digit points that the man might be the king of nine rebound games and double digit points. Because he's had yeah. quite a few. I actually, I think I, I texted you after the game because I was watching some of it over again. And um, there were two separate times where he went up, he got the ball, and there was a foul, like either on the rebound or shortly after that. So he didn't get credited for the rebound. But yeah, two separate times where he, he should have gotten it. He should have gotten 10 or even 11. And uh, there was a foul on the play, so it didn't count. Um, no, the other thing I saw, there's two other things just kind of quickly want to cover. Um, I think at the end of the first half, there was a point where Mar- uh, Marquise like went up to, to grab a, 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 the ball and he kind of like pulled something or he was doubled over. He had to be taken out, couldn't play defense the next possession. I thought it was really strange. Um, I think it's possible he maybe wasn't feeling good like maybe he had to go to the locker room either use the bathroom or uh or uh or you know clear clear his systems out um but he did come back and he played and he played really well in the second half so that was really good to see i was really nervous he might have pulled like a core muscle or something um so that was good that he came back and was healthy and then the last thing i want to talk about is um we we discovered a new three-point marksman on our team. I don't know if you saw, but he shot 100% from three in this game. And that uh, none other than Jake Bowman, um, the, what, seventh-year senior? I saw like that, that tweet, too. I saw that tweet, yes. <laughs> how, I'm trying to think, how many years has he been at Loyola? Because I know he was final four year for sure. And then at least one year before that, too. Like, but So my question is, was he... Well, he was a senior last year with Bruno, so he was, he was, he was Bruno's freshman year, so he's been here for at least four, and then yeah. he's here for an extra year. So I think the seventh year, of course, was an exaggeration, but I do think this is his fifth year. 
Because again, yeah. so if, for those who don't know, Jake's a walk-on, so he doesn't have like a scholarship to burn through. So I think he just has maybe the eligibility because he hasn't played in enough games. Um, so it was absolutely great to see him 100% from three. Um, that was exciting. I do. And again, as you love that, you see Will get in there. So I, I do love you bringing up that point because it was just absolutely great to see um, a shot yeah. go up like that, 100%. Yeah, it's always fun to uh, like hear the announcers to talk about it. They're like, the walk-ons get on, they got to shoot, you know, <laughs> shoot right away. So, and he did. He, he And I think uh, Elcock actually assisted him on the play. So that was even more fun. Um, but I think uh, we're going to move on from the Chicago State to UIC game. Again, uh, Loyola did win that game 88-51. Uh, to 51. Um, So then the next game we got here was on Sunday. Um, and our Loyola Ramblers uh, did beat UIC 77-66. to 66. Uh, The game was at UIC, um, so still in Chicago, but uh, down uh, on UIC's campus. And um, the headline of the game was that Crutwig scored 22 points, uh, two games in a row where he scored 22. And it was a bit of a back-and-forth battle. Um, I wouldn't say it was ever particularly tight. There were times in which UIC, I think, narrowed or trimmed the lead to, like, five uh, in the second half, maybe once or twice. But uh, we kind of always kept, like, a six- to eight-point cushion, and then we were able to... uh, to win by 11. Um, so, Lou, what uh, what were your takeaways from the game? Yeah, so actually, I do think there was like an early on, um, we were kind of giving up the three a lot from you, for UIC to get away with it. I think guys like, uh, they would think we only had like a one-point lead at one point. It was like, it was early in the 20s, so that kind of scared me how uh, we were playing kind of on-ball defense, giving them space. But mm-hmm. I think that really kind of answered it more than um, I think more of our tempo than an offense kind of kept it up uh, for the defense because defense really then locked down and then the offense just took over. And I think for me though, the summary of the game and really just how I, when I think about this game now, Cameron Crutwick has got his feet back. Like that's what I want to title this segment. It just Cameron Crutwick looks so smooth, so elegant underneath that basket. He would turn twist. He He's almost, I think he's like just, flexible in any motion the kid just could turn and spin you like a blender and it was great to see him go to the rim great to see just and I think that's true Cameron Crowe and Corn, just an aggressive guy and I think we can all talk about the one put up and that he got his own offensive rebound just strength that he went back up with it uh, was really great and then something that really surprised me I think there were at least twice I noticed in the game where he kind of had the ball like maybe the foul line or maybe in between the foul line and the three point line and it was about maybe one, two, maybe a third dribble, but he just exploded to the basket. He wasn't afraid. You kind of saw that, I think, at the Lewis or Chicago Skate game where he had a nice, really quick dunk. But he did this with a guy on him, and he was not afraid to just go up to the rim. And I really, really like seeing that uh, from Cameron Crowley. And I, again, that just excites me. I love seeing 22 points, um, but I really loved seeing his footwork down low. I really think this was a great game for him to get – Again, I think this game was like the next level of competition. Like Lewis was like that opener. Chicago State was like get the rhythms in. And then UIC now, I think UIC is a good team. And it was, I think it was funny. The commentators uh, were calling it a battle of the bigs, but they kept praising Cameron Crowig, which I loved. It almost reminded me of the Florida game where they kept saying this guy's an SEC center because these guys were just kept praising. And I think it's fair because Cam just made it look so elegant, so easy. 
and it was just great to see. Um, so, of course, I think we're both going to agree Cam had a great game. Who else was on your sheet for a good game there against UIC? Yeah, I mean, Cam's got to be the, the star of this game. And I, I've gotten to the point now where, like, if he misses a layup, I'm I'm like, what's going on? Like, is he all right? Is he healthy? Because he's just, like, so good down there. But um, besides that, um, I really want to talk about Lucas Williamson, actually. Um, mm. I thought he had, I mean, it's a young season, but he had by far his best game, in my opinion. He finished with 10 points, 8 rebounds, 2 assists, um, uh, steal, and it doesn't give him credit for a block, but I know he got one because I want to talk about a sequence. So um, it was the it was right, it was in the second half. It was probably three or four minutes in. It was right after Braden Norris had hit his first three pointer, um, and they're going back down the court. And it was at that point it was getting a little closer, and the momentum just started to shift. And Lucas played incredible on ball defense. Uh, the guy tried to step back on him from a, uh, like the right side of the key, mid-range jump shot. Lucas got a hand in his face and actually tipped the ball. Um, and then that led to like a, a fast break opportunity. We missed the first shot. I forget who, who took it. But Lucas hustled down the court, got the offensive rebound, passed it around a couple times, and it came back to him, and he nailed a three-pointer in the corner. And then the next possession, Braden Norris hit another three. And at that point, that was kind of, that's where it started getting a little more comfortable. I think we were up 15 at that point. Um, for me, that was the, the the whole game. Like that was that was that sequence was when we really took that next step, changed the momentum totally in our favor, uh, hit a bunch of really important shots, and um, I think that he just it, it was the Lucas Williamson show for those two minutes. Like he just he did everything for us. Um, so really great game from him. Um, I mean, I think the other guy we got to talk about is, is, is Marquise. Uh, so, Lou, what did you think? What did you see from, from Marquise on Sunday at UIC? I think Sunday, I think there was just a play that really just showed to me, like, how tough he is. And it was uh, uh, a little kind of double team down low. He just went. And, again, he's his athleticism. He got hot. Like, I replayed it because he jumped and he just went to the rims with such height and athleticism. And then he came down hard because they fouled him and he just came up really really hyped and it was funny because it looked like cam kind of patted him on the back or like something said easy easy like we still got a game <laughs> so it was really i thought it was funny it was exciting but it was great to see him and again this was his game he was five for six from field and five for six from free throw so that's a nice little stat you like to see um so i really do think seeing that kind of explosion and again kind of another chicago game so seeing a chicago like go off is great uh, there are a lot of Chicago talent on the court, not just from RN, but UIC side. So it really is great to see a guy like Kennedy uh, get out there and really explode. And it, quite honestly, I would love to take it. I'm really happy you brought up Lucas because every time I saw Lucas take a shot, I was like, oh, why? Like, that's like I, I said earlier in the preseason, he should just do wide open shots and drive. But his shots look just like the old Lucas Williamson, like maybe fresh mm-hmm. from sophomore year. And it was like a man on him, but he got up, he elevated himself, and it just looked really, really smooth and really nice. And I really was just excited to see that. Um, and again, he was smart with it. He was four for seven, two for three from three. So for me, it was just really, and it was an exciting thing to see just him get kind of get back into that flow um, of just balling out for Lucas Williamson. So that was exciting. Marcus Kennedy, great. But a person I would like to bring up that I think the field goal I will talk about, but. Ahiru Gok, man, 30 minutes, and I think mm-hmm. a 30 solid minutes. 
Um, mm-hmm. We, we got to talk about first, okay, the faults. I think personally, there were some field goals that could have rolled in, had just bad rolls. Um, but I think you need to be a little bit stronger to the rim. But just the facilitator, he was up at the three and knew to dart it in, I think, down maybe to Tom Welch, I think it was. It's just he knew to look up, and that was really something great, I thought, to see. Um, but then the man had seven seven rebounds, right, five assists, two steals, and seven points. Like, he mm-hmm. was over the ball, on the ball, and everything. So I think that's something great to see as we progress the season because it's like you wonder what his role is, and I think his role is he can fit with almost anyone on the court. And that's kind of true. If Porter wants to go quick offense, which he did, which I'll want to talk about when he went small, and then when he wants to go with him and Cam, which I think him and Cam are just great, underneath the rim to each other. They're smart with each other. Um, so I am really was really, really excited to see it here have, a, in my opinion, a great game. Uh, field goal, just remember, be smart with the shots. He, he did take two threes. Uh, one was wide open. I was really, really hoping he'd bang it in. Maybe he could have had a few more seconds to breathe. But again, we, we, we're only in the third game of the season, so we'll see how it goes. But really, really exciting personally to see this this game go off like that. Yeah, he's been he's been doing really well for us. Um, I really enjoy his energy. Like, I think he's just bringing it to a new level this year. It's got to be the headband, I think, personally. <laughs> let's um, go, let's go. Yeah, uh, I think uh, he's going to be a crucial member of our team going forward. I mean, he already has been, but especially defensively with these next two games coming up, which we'll talk about, but with Wisconsin and Richmond, um, I think his size and his athleticism and length is going to be extremely important defensively. Um, But yeah, love to see him uh, have the contributions that he did. And um, I mean, there's a couple other guys to talk about, but um, I thought Tom Welch played well. I'm just going to kind of leave it at that. Like I, I, I think his contribution was great. Eight minutes, five points, four rebounds. Um, thought he played pretty good. Um, Cooper, I thought he did okay. Uh, he made one three. Um, did have two rebounds and three assists, so nice to see him contribute in other ways. Uh, at times on defense, I thought he looked lost, and he had like a couple pretty bad fouls. But uh, I think he's still getting into the swing of things. Um, and then Keith Cummins played six minutes. Baylor had played two. Uh, I thought they both kind of looked a little lost as well. Um, Keith still working through his injury. Baylor still a freshman. So um, not too nervous there. Uh, the last two guys we have to talk about are Brayden Norris and Tate Hall. Um, let's let's start off with Tate and then we can move to Brayden. Um, Tate did not have a good game. Uh, one point, 0 for 3. From, from the field and one for four from free throw. He had three rebounds and two turnovers and a foul. Probably the worst game we've seen him have in his Loyola career, and yet we still won by 11. Um, it's a different year. I think last year this team doesn't win if Tate scores one point. Um, but this team is, is deeper, a lot more scoring options, and I think that was pretty evident on Sunday. But... Lou, what did you think? It's it's pretty pretty difficult to watch him struggle, huh? Yeah, I think it's kind of interesting you say um, this game struggle. I think it nearly reminded me of the Furman game. Uh, Furman, Mm -hmm. I I had this just ready to go. He had five turnovers and four points. Um, So, but he and he was two for seven, zero for three from three. And while in this game, Tate really he was zero for three from three, go zero for one, one for four, and he only had one point. He had only two turnovers, so it's not like it was a, the turnovers that got him or anything. 
but it was, I have to say, it was really interesting to kind of see um, Tate struggle. And again, it's especially a guy who we kind of peg as a top player of the year, uh, supposed to not just on our team, but in the conference. So I, I definitely think it's tough. We can't deny that it's like, oh, you want him to, you want to get him to go out there every game and just win, like just win every game. And it was just really kind of crazy to see a bad game. But I think that's where I think we can segue in and it kind of opened up my eyes. Is like the depth this year really can help with the next man up mentality. It really, really, really can help, I think, because it opens up the door for, hey, Tate's having a bad game. Who do we need to step up? Well, maybe Braden Norris will go three for five from the field from three. And it just really excited me to say, hey, we, I like this depth. I like what we're working with here. And I'm just excited for the rest of the year to really facilitate the ball more and get other guys playing. Yeah, I actually, that's a really good point about the Furman game. I agree with you 100%. I'm actually, I was curious, like, how he did after that game. Um and it was actually, unfortunately, it was the game against Coppin State last year where we lost cool. at home. But that wasn't Tate Hall's fault because he scored 23 points. He had six rebounds, two assists, two steals, and a block and was uh, three for six from three. So um, I hope that he can, uh, he can have some of that same magic uh, coming out of, the, coming out of this, this win against UIC and, and put up 23 in our next game because that would uh, that'd be great. Um, and then the last, the last player uh, we got to talk about, Braden Norris. Um, he had one stretch where he couldn't miss. He made two threes and I think a, a jump shot and then a layup or something like that. Um, otherwise, I thought he played okay. I, I thought like he, he was a good ball handler. He got ahead a couple really nice passes, a couple decent plays on defense. Um, I don't think he's a liability on defense. Uh, I think he's going to... Uh, going up against like bigger, stronger, taller players, um, I think he might struggle a little bit. But so far, I think he's okay on defense. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, I saw a lot of love for him on Twitter. Uh, I thought that he had a really, really nice stretch at a very important time in the game, which is really nice to see. But otherwise, I kind of just thought he played okay. Uh, Lou, what do you, what do you think? Um, I think uh, that step back three uh, just, uh, of course, was really, really impressive. I thought for a guy who's short, how is he going to make separation? Uh, the only thing um, that really, really caught me off guard was just the flow of how he really got into the rhythm of a shot. So that was really impressive. Three for five. Um, so I think Braden definitely is that is the extra guy that um, stepped up. And I was really excited to see that, um, especially when a guy like Tate goes, went down. So it's really helpful again, as I think Marquise Kennedy also helped. And that's where I'm a little worried about the whole log jam we might have potentially at uh, point guard. But again, so we keep winning games like this and we'll see tomorrow how we do a rotation. Uh, we will be intrigued to see which guy is going to step up, which guy might not have the greatest game. And we'll just, again, the guys will be there for each other. Lucas had a game, which I don't think he really had a big game so far in the two games we played. So this was, Again, is we're we're not looking for guys to drop thirty or anything, but consistent guy. Lucas dropping ten, Braden dropping eleven, and then so just guys really, and then Ahir just being there. I really thought it was great to see from the starting five, um, four really stellar play. I thought and Tate had a bad game, but I don't expect Tate to stay in the slump or this one game slump because he's got guys there who will help him get it up. So it's gonna be it's gonna be a good one, I think tomorrow. But this game was interesting, 
just a thing I want to ask you there, though, Buck. Mm-hmm. So you talk about we talked about how Braden kind of stepped up for Tate and then the Marquis, so those kind of guard rotation. Something that kind of uh, had me worried a little bit was watching Welch and um, well, Cooper's not really the power forward, but just I noticed it with Cooper though when Cooper was kind of the four when we played small, is we're missing Frank. I do think when mm-hmm. we need that breather. And again, I know we have Jacob Hudson for next year. He's a redshirting this year. So again, that's crazy to say as someone redshirting with us who happens to be like 6'10". But it was a little kind of scary when Porter did a Porter did a, um, a small rotation there. And, and Cooper just kind of played tough but he just couldn't body the guy well and again he's coming off injury and his defense was never stellar to begin with so I understand that but even Tom Welch I know he's offensively pretty gifted with the three-point he's got quick on his feet but I'm just a little worried I have to I have to say we got to look out for at least tomorrow when we start playing this Big Ten talent and these maybe these big guys just like can we even go small can we get Cam a breather because I think that's a big thing Cam played 32 minutes he's not gonna be able to play every single minute and if he does, he's going to be really tired. So I, I, I'm intrigued what you think about our big situation. Yeah, I think it's worth talking about. Um, I got to admit, like, I, I do miss Frank as well. I think Tom has actually played really great in limited time so far. Um, I think seeing what kind of player he is, it gives me a lot of hope that he can actually play on the court with a guy like Frank or even Cam. I actually really want to see... Uh, Tom play with Cam. I think that would be a really interesting lineup. Um, it's like as far as our bigs go. Um, you definitely lose a little bit of athleticism like down low, uh, like on defense, because Tom he's athletic, but he's not really blocking a lot of shots. I guess you could say, um, or or even a lineup with Tom and Frank. Like I I I think the fact that Tom has been able to hit some outside shots show he can at least be uh, manageable, like handling the ball, like passing it around and stuff. I think it just shows that he, he can be that stretch four, like rather than an undersized five or like a, uh, a pick and roll guy, he can, he can be a pick and pop or, or just a straight up shooter from three. Um, but we need to get Frank back. Frank needs to get healthy. Uh, I would really actually like to see Frank go up against some of these teams like Wisconsin and, and Richmond because I think he just gives such a different look um, to to defend on defense or to to defend the other teams. Um, but it is worrisome. I think I think we we're definitely missing something with Frank being out, uh, and I hope he's getting healthy and can come back sooner rather than later. Um, I haven't even heard anything really like as far as how his injury is healing. The only thing I heard was when Porter did the preseason, it was like two weeks before we were supposed to start up or three weeks before we were supposed to have our first game. And he said that Frank had had, I think like arthroscopic knee surgery maybe, or like cleaning up his knee a little bit. Um, and he said five weeks. So we got to be getting pretty close to that, but I haven't seen... Frank do anything yet. So I don't know. I think we got to keep our eyes on that. I haven't seen anything really yet. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah, no, it was just something to notice. I do, I do like, I love seeing Tom and Cooper play offense. It was just the defense. I was like, Oh, we got to block some shots ourselves or pound it to, it would be really intrigued when Frank gets back, how that little defense of giving, just giving Cam a breather will be able to hand, 
hold up. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like we said, that game final score was 77 to 66. Definitely a solid win. We hope uh, UIC is able to 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 uh, be successful in the Horizon League, right? Yeah. Yes. Horizon. Yes. <laughs> the Horizon League this year. I said it, and then it just like didn't sound right. Um, but uh, now we got to talk about these two huge games that we have coming up this week. Um, I'm just gonna give a little bit of a like a background on on what's going on. So. Last week, we were talking about how we might have this game against Duquesne, uh, who is a great mid-major team uh, from Pennsylvania. Uh, it did end up going through, and it got confirmed, and they were going to be set to play. Um, uh, Duquesne was going to play Southern Illinois on Monday in Indianapolis at a neutral field, and then they were going to turn around and play us on the same court um, uh, on Wednesday. And then it came up, I believe, early Sunday morning that Duquesne was going to go uh, on pause due to COVID cases. And then um, kind of immediately afterwards, we heard that they had a game set up with Richmond, which made a lot of sense because Richmond was scheduled to play Duquesne, I think, on Saturday. They're in the same conference. Um, so they were, they were set to play that game, and then as soon as that game got canceled they were looking for an opponent we were looking for an opponent and it just kind of made a lot of sense um so that was exciting and then you know we had this opening from monday to thursday uh of of trying to find another game and i kind of was thinking in my head oh you know maybe we'll schedule like an eastern illinois or something kind of last minute um but i actually did mention on the on our twitter that both Wisconsin and Iowa had openings uh, for this this upcoming week. So then um, we win our game against UIC, and shortly after that, a notification comes out that we have a game scheduled for Tuesday against Wisconsin-Madison. Um, so that's just kind of, I don't know, I hope everyone was able to follow along, but it's been a crazy uh, roller coaster ride to get where we are now, and I think it kind of worked out in our favor. Don't you think, Lou? It, it it really does, and especially we're going to find out this week how much in our favor. But it it was, uh, again, Duquesne would have been a solid game. I would have really, really liked them, and I would still like them to have on a non-conference. But then with, with scheduling, especially with uh, conference play, we might not be able to get another game in. But it really just blew my mind, man. Uh, within Within hours of the UIC game, within 24 hours, we had two. We have two ranked uh, scheduled games for this week coming up, um, and it's exciting to talk about. It. It's exciting to see. I think uh, someone's listening to our podcast saying play good teams. I think we've mentioned Wisconsin before as a stretch. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have not mentioned Richmond, although we do have a history at Richmond um, recently. So it's kind of funny, but we'll talk into that all that stuff. But I think we're all just excited to see top Rambler basketball play top-notch teams. I think that's just exciting to see out in the court. Yeah, there was actually a really interesting article um, on The Athletic uh, that was posted just today, and it was kind of a, a summary of everything that was going down. And and, and uh, the, the journalist interviewed Matt Gordon, actually, assistant men's basketball coach at Loyola, um, and was asking him how they got this game scheduled. And it turns out that Matt Gordon was the one who had been in communication with both Richmond and Wisconsin um, 
And it's a great article. Um, it is by Brian Bennett, and it talks about Boise State first. It's the they do a weekly uh, mid major article, so it's the this week in mid major. But um, it's actually I really enjoyed reading it because it's kind of exactly what I want more of. It's like I want to know what the the behind the scenes is, and basically to make a long story short, Matt Gordon had been with in in contact with Wisconsin this past, this whole off season and said, you know, let us know if you have an opening, we, we want to play you. We're two hours away. And then what ended up happening was, um, Wisconsin had the opening. And then as soon as Loyola heard that Northern Iowa was not going to be playing Wisconsin, they kind of swooped up that opportunity. And, uh, that's, that's kind of how it all worked out. Um, but it was just cool article talks about, a little bit about like, is this good that there's this much flexibility in the schedule? How does that work for you guys? And um, Matt Gordon kind of didn't take a big stance on it. He kind of said, you know, it's good that we're able to play games, but it's also difficult for the team to get ready. So, um, but if anyone wants to read up on it, uh, it's definitely worth the read. And uh, there's always some good Loyola stuff on there every week. So, um, but let's uh let's kind of talk about this wisconsin team so uh they are ranked number 12 uh in the in the ap poll this week um they are i believe what they they have one loss so far um they're four and one yep so their only loss was to marquette yeah which was a puzzle uh, beater so that was a that was a could have gone either way there yeah yeah, so yeah, they've beaten Rhode Island, uh, Eastern Illinois, and Arkansas Pine Bluff. So, I mean, Rhode Island's a good team, for sure. Um, oh, and yeah, and Green Bay as well. Uh, but Rhode Island's definitely, Rhode Island and Marquette are the two best teams they've played. Uh, Marquette, they lost by two, and Rhode Island, they, they won by 11. So, definitely close games there. Um and now we are going to be able to play them at their place tomorrow night at 7 p.m. Um, I sent you, Lou, a little bit of just like the the roster makeup of Wisconsin just to kind of talk about it. Um, they're they're just like us. They're defensive-minded. They they hang their hat on the defensive end, and that's what that's how they win games. Um, I believe they're like top five in the nation, or or maybe top ten in uh, lowest points per game allowed. Um, but how they're going to line up, uh, they have their five starters are projected starters are all seniors, almost like ours. You know, we have four most likely, um, and they, uh, line up, uh, they have a six foot guard, six foot four, six foot eight, six foot 10 and six foot 11. Um, and three guys in that group average over 10 points, uh, with Mike Potter, six foot ten senior being the leading scorer at twelve point eight points per game. And then they get some contribution off the bench as well. Nothing crazy. Um a couple more uh guards at six foot three, six foot five, and then two more forwards at six foot nine. And Jonathan Davis, who is a six foot five freshman, uh, so far is averaging seven point four points per game off the bench. Um I would say the one person I'm uh, I know a little bit about uh, Brad Davison as he's a senior there. He started for them only averaging just under 10 points a game this year, but I've seen him have 
some crazy games in the past. I think he actually had one game in the tournament like two years ago where he put up like 25 or something like that. He's a really good shooter, really good ball on ball defender. Uh, I think he's going to give our guards a lot of trouble, whether it's Braden or Marquise or um, Keith Clemens or something like that. I think he's going to give us a lot of trouble. Um, but Lou, I do, does anything stick out to you about this uh, Badger team or any other information you know about them? Yeah, no, it's, uh, I, I think this current Badger team is a team that uh, last year they were on a run. So I think it's comprised of a lot of seniors. So I think a lot well-experienced guys who last year I think could have easily had a chance at a deep run at the tournament. Um, I'm pretty sure they either were going to be the top seed in the Big Ten basketball tournament uh, going into it last year. Uh, so that was just something I think the fact that they're returning, they returned a lot of guys just kind of gets you. Yeah, they were the top in the Big Ten. They were number 17 in the, in the AP poll. So just a really, really strong team. But I really do like the comparison. Like they're they're very similar to us. I do think it's just like it's who they've played. And again, they've only really played Rhode Island and Marquette. Um, so I, I really do think it is an interesting game that's going to be really out there. And I think for us, this is a huge jump. Like we're going from Lewis, Chicago State, UIC to Wisconsin, number twelve in the country. But I think we are ready to handle it. I think we're it's going to be an exciting game. A uh, little bit of history. I, I think I saw like the last time we played Wisconsin, we actually used to have a series, but the last time we played them was 1998. So exciting to really get back into that mentality. I think we're excited for that. But this um, this Wisconsin team is tough. I think the fact that they've also played, they played five games already. We both, this is only our fourth. So I think in a, in a season of COVID-ish uh, kind of hurt on teams, it's really, really, uh, it's really, really hard to get, good competition out there so i think this will be a, a test for both teams so uh a Loyola team is ready really scrappy and then a wisconsin team that's had a really good season so far yeah i think uh i think we're gonna have a battle down low i'm really interested to see how cam does i think this is going to be his biggest test of the year um there are other guys in the valley who have given him troubles in the past like liam robbins um sometimes elijah childs um uh, bigs that can shoot as well give him a lot of trouble on the defensive end. But um, uh, Nate Ruvers, who is one of their starting, I think their center, he's 6'11". Yeah, he's, uh, he's the Yeah, he's their all-time leading uh, blocks, or Wisconsin-Madison's all-time leader in blocks, block shots. So yeah. um, I think Cam's going to have his work cut out for him. I think we might see a little bit more of like cam the distributor uh than so far what we've seen at least these last two games where cam is looking primarily for his shot i think we might see a classic line from cam of like 10 10 points nine rebounds seven assists um you know hopefully hopefully our shooters are ready to shoot um but i think we're going to play a really similar brand of basketball that wisconsin does and that's just hard-nosed defense um make your shots when they're open and um, I think it's going to be a really exciting game to watch. I don't think it's going to be sloppy. Uh, but even though they're a top team, we're not going to catch them off guard. They've got you know, a starting lineup of five seniors. So they're going to be like us. I don't think they're going to catch us off guard, too. I think it's going to be a really competitive game. Um, you know, it might, it might 
come down to the wire or Wisconsin might end up winning by eight or 10, or we might win by a few, but I think it's going to be a battle for 40 minutes. Um, yeah. I'm, no, I'm looking I, forward I, to it. I love that uh, kind of talk of Cam not being the scorer, but the distributor here. And I think it's going to be tough. We're playing against guys who 6'10", 6'11", and 6'8", boards who are their starters. Um, funny enough, they have a seven footer on the bench, but I don't think he plays much. Uh, I, when I saw that first, the roster list, I got a little worried. But um, I think I would love to see this is when we slash. This is when we get other guys going to the rim, and then you just see Cam distribute. Um, I think we saw that in the Chicago State game. Like I, I saw that a lot with a here getting to the rim. Um, so I think that's a potential opportunity. Um, but then I, I, we have to go to our strength, and we are strong when, it, when it's going in. We're a strong three-point team from Braden to Tate to Cooper, to Lucas even last game. So if we want to spread it out in that sense, we could see that really being a strong point. But I think personally, if, if we start shooting early and we don't really feel it, we got to get, we got to go down low and find a way to either get Cam the ball or find him the ball just to distribute. So it's going to be an interesting matchup down low for sure. I 100% think that's where it's going to be a battleground, maybe very similar to like, think it's not a complete comparison but like the Liam Robbins game down low last year at Drake was really tough to watch because it was really a battle so I would I really hope we get some help down low and just excited though for the competition to see our guys get out there and really play it should be a competition down to the wire I hope I really hope so um so uh, moving on from the the Wisconsin game the almost just as exciting game we got going this week is against Richmond uh, which I think is supposed to be on Friday. I'm pretty yep, sure. Yep, it's on Friday, and that one is is actually in Indianapolis. So we're not traveling to right. Richmond. Um, so I guess we'll learn more about where they're playing. It sounds like a lot of teams are just getting this facility. And Buck, if you know more, it just you, you sync up with this facility in Indianapolis. I don't know if it's like, um, I don't know what, what it is, and we'll look into it. But it's really interesting that they're having a place that they can call. And again, like we said earlier, that's how we found out Duquesne. Um, came back with a COVID um, positive was the facility in Indianapolis said, Hey, Duquesne tested positive. We can't, they're not coming in. So um, I'm really excited to see Richmond kind of fill that slot in Indianapolis and uh, really excited to kind of get this game also added again at their top 25 team. So anytime we're playing top 25 talent really can show, I think can show the country that we can uh, keep up with these teams and play with them. Yeah, I actually I read um, more about that stadium in Indianapolis. They are trying to get ready to be um, an NCAA tournament uh, stadium or like to get that going. Mm-hmm. So I think they really want um, and I don't know who it is, but that stadium really wants to get all their protocols up and ready and up to date and that kind of stuff. Because uh, as we know, the the tournament's going to all be in, in Indiana or at least in Indianapolis this year. So, they that's I think the connection there. Awesome, uh, no, that's really really awesome. I think if you get it, if you can get it done right early, we could potentially hopefully be playing there come March or come May. We don't know, but that'd be really cool to get back to that facility. For sure, yeah. Um, so this Richmond team, um, I've I've seen a couple games of theirs actually. I watched um, which game did I watch? I'll look at their schedule. Oh, I watched a game against Northern Iowa. Um, I was wondering if you were going to mention that game. Yeah, 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 yeah. I had to. And then I think I watched – oh, I I think I watched a game against Kentucky as well. Um, Great game. So, 
Yeah, yeah, they um, they have an interesting brand of basketball that they play. Uh, their starters all average over 10 points. Um, no one averages over 14 uh, or over 15, I guess I should say. But um, their starters all play uh, four of the five play over 30 minutes. Um, their starting guard, Jacob Gilliard, is uh, it, it, probably going to be a professional. Uh, very, very good. At probably the best, one of the top three best guards uh, defender in in the whole league. Um, he is really impressive to watch. Um, he is just he's <laughs> super tough on defense. Sounds extremely like skilled. A, sounds like you want to be a Richmond uh, fan there. And no, I just want people to know when you know Braden Norris is locked up for half the game. It's not that he's struggling. It's that. Jacob Gilliard is just really, really impressive. Oh, oh, listeners, please just make sure we put that in the Braden Norris fan club uh, saving token right uh, there. No, I'm gonna get, I'm gonna get in trouble. Um, but yeah, so then the other guy who I think is, it's gonna be really fun to watch. Uh, their big guy, Grant Golden, who's six foot ten. Um, he's kind of got that whole like uh, lumberjack kind of beard and hair going on. Um, I think it's going to be really fun to watch him and Cam go to work. I think uh, Golden is more of like a stretch five type player, likes to shoot. I mean, he, he'll definitely go down low and, and get you some boards and stuff. Um, but I think Cam is actually I, – I, this is maybe my bold prediction of the week, but I think Cam is going gonna, is gonna to give him a business. Like, I think Cam's going to put up 20 on him. I really do. I think that um, he's just too skilled, and I don't – from what I've seen, Golden, like, I don't think he really likes to play post-up defense, but maybe that's just the type of teams I've watched him play against. Um, Fife, I, when Fife was playing him, he, he schooled him early twice, and then Fife got an ankle injury, and so he couldn't really play until the end of the game. Um, but uh, it's going to be a fun game. I actually, I think we match up extremely well with them. Um I think we can. I think if we play our game of basketball, which is tough D, um, we got to get out on their three-point shooters. But I think we can. I think we can win this one. I think. I think we can win this by a good chunk too. If I'm being honest. Um, Lou, do you you have anything about this Richmond team? Yeah, we have actually won against three of their five starters. Uh, we played Richmond back in 2018. Uh, this was when we played at the Fort Myers tournament, and we actually swept them 82 to 66. Uh, we were down by three and a half, but then we exploded in the second half. So um, this is practically uh, three of the starters or three of the guys who played. Your boy Jacob did kind of school us. He put up 19 points against us. So I'm excited. When I saw this Richmond team, I was wondering, hey, we played Richmond. Let's see who we played against. And three of the guys who are starting on this team right now started against us last time. Granted, we had a different team then. We did have Marcus and Clay, but we had three of our starters play as well. We had Lucas, who put up a 23 points against these guys. Uh, Cam put up nine with eight rebounds. And Ahir had uh, one point, but again, Ahir's a lot better than he was uh, two seasons ago. So uh, I'm actually really intrigued uh, by this team a lot. Um, and this game, I think, is just a great game for us because – the fact that we've played these guys, um, I think we're a little bit better than we were. I think uh, the only thing that would uh, concern me is um, who are we going to go to in this game? I think Cam could easily, like you're saying, if the post defense is weak, play him hard, play him strong. 
Um, but uh, I'd be really intrigued to see how we uh, kind of compare to last time. But I think it's a different team we have and a different team we're playing. Um, like you said, Jacob um, Gilliard for Richmond is seems to be a fantastic stat sheet guy. 11.6 assists, four steals. Like, that's what mm-hmm. we're going to have to be worried about. He's averaging 4.2 steals a game. A game. And he had, let's see, how many? I think he had, yeah, he had four steals against us last time when he played us. So, um, I think that's where we're going to have to be a little bit smarter with the ball. I, I think we're going to be able to score. But, again, those those possessions where you turn it over and it leads to easy buckets for the team, that's where you end up losing by nine to, like, 13 points. And it's like, hey, if we were just able to cut down those turnovers, limit them into maybe only five points off turnovers, it really becomes a ball game. Um, yeah. So I'm really intrigued by this game. I think if we can – I think it's really just going to be about how we can beat the Richmond defense. Yes, I think they're scoring a lot. I don't see their five starters all scoring double digits. If they do, I think it's going to be then an offensive match because I think our defense is a lot better than that's going to be able to hold them to at least under 10 points for some of the starters. Um, I do think, though, I think it's going to be a game where we're going to have one or two starter have a high-scoring game where we're not going to be able to cover everyone equally. Again, not hating on him, but I don't know if Braden's going to be able to, if there's a switch on it, Braden's got to play tough D. Um, even if Cooper comes in off the bench. So I'm thinking all around, we're, we're going to maybe have some holes. You kind of saw it in UIC with the skip pass. There were definitely a few skip passes I saw that got away once we collapsed in on the in the paint. And they were able to dish it out. So that's just natural basketball, but this team is a high-scoring team with five of their starters all in double digits. So that's the, like you said, it's it's going to be a kind of a strong offense by them. But we just got to we got to limit our mistakes on on our own offense. We got to play strong defense and limit the mistakes. We can't hand them the ball. And Jacob uh, Gilliard is going to be there to sweep it, swipe it from us. So we got to be smart with it. Yeah, yeah, it'll be a fun game for sure. Um, just a really exciting week of Rambler basketball ahead of us. I hope. Um, you know, we got get some stuff to cheer about. It's probably going to be a little bit of a, of a difficulty in, during it, I'm sure. Um, but I kind of want to talk just, just a little bit. This is going to be the last thing, and then we can wrap it up. Um, talk about our outcomes. I think it's kind of fun to think about what could be. Um, so here are our options, right? We win both games. We lose both games. Or we win one against Wisconsin, lose to Richmond, or beat Richmond and lose to Wisconsin. So let's start at the bottom first, because uh, I think this this week is going to give us, a, we're going to learn a lot about the team this week. Um, if we lose both games, this is where I think it's important about like how we lose, right? Like if we lose on buzzer beaters to both teams, yeah, that sucks. But uh, honestly, I'd, I'd be pumped, like excited that we, we gave these top 25 teams all that they could handle um, and if we lose two close games, then I'm so confident that we should be the, the odds on favorite to be the Missouri Valley conference champion. If we get blown out both games, that's a whole different story. We got a lot to figure out then where did it go wrong? Who did, who, you know, who went wrong? What are, what are we doing wrong? Um, on the other side, then if we, uh, if we beat, let's say for instance, we beat Richmond and we lose to Wisconsin that's that's a resume building win there, right? Like, I could see us um, would definitely be the favorites. Um, you might even have a case to get an at large bid at that point. 
if we win all the rest of our games and then lose in the championship. Um, same thing. Uh, if we beat Wisconsin, we might even be looking at maybe squeaking in the top 25 at, at the end of at the end of the week, depending on how that how close that Richmond game is then. And this is where it gets exciting is if we win both games, I seriously think we will be ranked. I, like I if we go in, we beat Wisconsin at Wisconsin. And then we go and play a neutral game against, I think, 25th ranked team right now. I think there were 19 last week and they lost to West Virginia in Richmond. I, I mean, I would be shocked if we're not ranked after winning those two games. That's just my personal opinion. I mean, maybe I don't know all that much, but I mean, Lou, what do you think about some of those outcomes? Yeah, I think definitely you got to do the easy. The easy two are if we lose both. How, how do we lose? I think that's if we get blown out, we just look bad. It looks tough. Um, if we if we lose to Richmond, we're, we're almost like Kentucky because they also lost. Um, <laughs> so I think that I think where I am uh, reasonably is win Richmond, lose Wisconsin. But if we do the almighty greatness of scheduling within 24 hours, these two teams and win both. And if we have if we keep it, this mentality, we, I don't really see who we should lose to, especially with A.J. Green out in conference play. Again, we're probably going to drop one to Spradley. Or we just got to be reasonable. Can't, can't, but we went a strong few times before in the conference. So we win both these games, and this is a, kind of the magnitude of a non-conference, which I think it is two, two top 25 teams. I really do think that could open the door for a lot of, a lot of potential. And again, it's, that's the whole thing. Quality games now are really going to depend because not everyone's playing so many games. So a quality loss is going to be big to teams who maybe, again, it depends on how it's going to look out. But maybe when we're compared to a team that's won three D2 games compared to mm-hmm. our two losses, I think that's going to kind of show a difference of like, they came, they wanted to play, they tried to get games to play. They didn't just look for easy wins. They look for hard wins. And again, that whole mentality of a, a, a good loss versus a bad win and all that stuff. So I, I think no matter what, the scheduling really helps us. But if we can pull out those two wins, it, it really jumps us uh, for a great week. I think we could, you see us as Andy Katz team of the week, but um, I'm going to, I'm going to be a little realistic, realistic. Maybe people are going to say, I do think we can get the Richmond game, especially since we are kind of familiar with the team. I know they're different. Um, Wisconsin, I hope you play tough. I just think with the height, it's going to be a little tough. With, especially with Frank gone and not having Jacob, but I'm, I'm going to say one and one this week. Uh, lost mm-hmm. to Madison. I do think it's going to be within 15, but I do think it, I could come to the 15. And Richmond, I'm saying we're. I think we could easily win by 10. I think that's that's what I'm hoping for with Richmond there. Yeah, I like it. I like those picks. Um, I'm excited to see this week. It's it's just going to be a fun week. This is what we've kind of been thinking about all off season um, about getting some really good games. And now it's time to see what this team has. Um, I think it's going to test the guys. I'm so happy we have a senior-led team because I think a young team goes 0-2 this week. Like, I just don't think that they – I don't think a young team goes at, into Wisconsin with 24 hours to prepare and wins that game. And I don't think that they beat – I don't think a young team beats a senior-led Richmond team at a neutral site either. So it's really exciting that we have these senior leaders – um, I'm, those are the guys that need to step up. These seniors need to step up in these big games, not at home. So, you know, we, we need a big game 
from Cam, Lucas, Ahir, Tate, Keith, you know, any of those guys, they've got to step up these next two. And anything else that any of the younger guys can contribute is just is like icing on the cake for these games. Um, but yeah, it's exciting. I'm 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 pumped. I want to go out there and and, and give them play five with minutes. Yeah, I'll give him five minutes. Give give myself five fouls and and get you the just quick. Give Cam a breather. Quick. Give Cam a breather. Yeah, for sure. I'm, I'm six four. I, I put it all out there. I don't care. I'll, I'll put my body on the line. <laughs> oh my gosh! I don't even think I can get up and down the court three times with them. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, um, thank you guys for listening. It's been fun. We've had a lot to talk about. Um, hopefully we still have a lot to talk about next week and the week after and the week after and so on. Um, we do actually have something in the works, um, with some fun Loyola people who we're going to leave it at that for now. Um, we got to schedule it and get all sorted uh, it's going to be a little bit of like a potentially like a crossover uh, 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 podcast coming up at some point here. So stay tuned for that. Um, and uh, Lou, any any last thoughts? No, it's going to be a great week, I think, to be a Loyola Rambler fan. And I'm just excited for, uh, for the potential this week of bring. Yep. Always a good week to be a Rambler and especially this one. So uh, never forget and always remember, go Blairs.